0: A fox knows many things, but a hedgehog knows one important thing. It's one important thing. It's one important thing.
1: Welcome to the Spiritual Hedgehog Podcast, where we explore the role philosophy and faith play in your daily life. Here are your hosts, Sarah Gardner and Pastor Eric Dahl. I want to talk with you today a little bit about place. Um, and the reason I've been thinking about it Uh, a number of reasons and thinking about how I've changed in thinking about places like churches and synagogues and mosques and temples and all the places that, that, that speak of the divine, you know, let alone when you talk about nature and you talk about being out in the wilderness and those things. And I had a, I had put one of those innocent, you know, comments on Facebook and my, my cousin wrote back and said, and took it a certain direction. I don't remember what the quote was, but she she wrote back and said, and talked about how um, she will never go to a church that worships in a a church building. And, and so I started to think about that. And I, I, I used to sort of think along those lines. And her, her reason was the resources that go to a church building that could further go to the poor or the neglected or all good, you know, all good reasons. But I, I I wrote a response back to her saying, you know, I think we need places that that exemplify the divine, that magnify the divine, that that give us a sense of the divine. And I compared it, I compared it to in in a sense, the need for artwork. Mm-hmm. Um, the need we have for beautiful places and beautiful things, and um, two stories I mean, from my childhood sort of come to mind. And one is, and I think I've shared this one with you before, Ira, but sitting in the front one of the front pews, my family was always early to church or, or not always with four kids who were sometimes late to church walking in but we'd always find a place within the first three or four pews of this big cathedral of a of a building um central Lutheran in Minneapolis and I remember I was probably four or five years old and and looking at my mom and dad and does God live up there and I kept pointing where they had this beautiful organ pipes and and this cage kind of the sense you know and that was heaven to me. I, I was sure that that God in this—you'd look up and just be in awe of this huge cathedral, and God was somehow up there, and it stuck with me even to the point where I kind of turned in an age, and and there was part of me that didn't like church and didn't like that bigness and didn't like that wholeness, but I but I've come to believe that, you know, there is a need a, a place that even if it is human made, God gives us the gifts to make beautiful things. And um, I, I started to wonder how, how we think about all that. And I'm curious, you know, for instance, I mean, do you have those step aside from nature for a second? Cause we both really relate to nature mm-hmm. and being fishing and, and, but are there places you go that speak of the divine to you?
0: Oh, without a doubt. I mean, Uh, First of all, I think architecture is probably the ultimate art form of illustrating what man, what we're capable of through partnership, through community and through uh, a pursuit of aesthetic beauty uh, and design. I I think architecture is incredibly important uh, to the spirit. And I think just if you... um, drive through uh, inner cities in places that the architecture is not, um, you know, maybe it's the strip mall that's designed to be just very temporary and that doesn't elevate the spirit the way um, a cathedral can or a way a temple can or a way an opera house can, if you will. Uh, So I'm a big uh, firm believer that um, our efforts to, aspire towards the divine through place, um, is a worthwhile endeavor. That said, um, I have taken as much, um, spiritual pleasure in the small country, one room church as I have the Gothic cathedral. Uh, so it's not just about grandeur as much as, um, it's to me, it's also about Creating a sense of community, and uh, and I, I was thinking about the fact that you know when uh, when we go to a a house of worship, um, we set aside all our our status at the door, so to speak. It, you know, nobody's aware. You're you know when you're inside the door, you're not looking at the cars, you're not looking at the houses, you're not looking at uh, all these these social status, and you have this equality. Once you pass that threshold into that spiritual place, that it just kind of, um, for me, raises the the spirit a little bit, and so I think um, that having a place of worship is a equalizing experience, if you will.
1: There's yeah, so there's I mean, it's it's interesting. I think it may even be more important in our postmodern age to have places like that 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 are set apart. Um, there's an old adage. I was reading an article a while ago. Um, it's I don't know. You probably know this quote. I hadn't um, because it's fr- from the early '60s, I think. Marshall McLuhan. Mm-hmm. The adage. Yep. I was guessing you might know this one. The medium is the message.
0: Yes, and the and the book cover was printed wrong, uh, and they left the mistake because it became out as the medium is the massage. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. <laughs> yeah. That was a, it was a fun,
1: a fun typo. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the sixties, it would have been extra fun too, I bet. Yeah. yeah. It, it, but the edit, yeah. But it, it, you know, it, it makes me think, you know, the fact, you know, worship spaces are different than office spaces. Um, and I think that, like you said, like with a piece of art, I'm always curious where your like, eye is drawn for instance. um. Both, um, you know, both at the church I now serve at United Lutheran and Eugene, and then at St. Mark's, where you still attend when we're not in COVID, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's is, they have these, you know, they're these A-frame, basically upside-down ships, and it's not, you know, and, and fish, fish, and fishermen and stuff, it's always for Jesus, you know, and and Christianity is a huge um a huge symbol um fish um just with a letter off in the greek being the the word for christ um also also plays you know plays a role but then also has that tying of community that you know these were the scandinavian norwegian swedes you know Finns that had these you know the fishing boats and thinking about those those examples of place um or like I said, if you're and so my my eye is drawn, you know, in an A frame, it, it focuses your your image up front, you know, up front. Um, and and thinking about community and thinking about how that works and, and and pictures of God that 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 come out of that to a synagogue, for instance, right? The dome, you know, I was I I, I was I was trying to remember first of all um. Uh, not a synagogue i'm thinking about a mosque right now Mm -hmm. a mosque which uh it's a place for prostration for um um where you you fall on your face and you fall on your face and knock over your microphone um no you fall on your face in in prayer and and the whole idea that they put that they, they thought about things. They put it over um, the prayer, prayer room, the place of prayer to help with the acoustics and the callings as, as those prayer meetings would happen. Um, often you'd see a star and a crescent, you know, some um, five, five stars um, for the five pillars of Islam and a crescent that, again, reminded people of, of the majesty of God and the, the, the bigness of God. Um, again, the dome, the universe, Allah in charge of the universe. Uh, there's intent um, and there's intent. And you compare that now. I was, you know, I, I think, was it last time I was talking to you um, when I was talking about the song I used to sing um, to my kids, Little Boxes on the Hillside, mm-hmm. Little Boxes made of ticky tack? And I'm living in that sort of community now. And to love to be able to turn a corner and see a church there, that's something different that allows, allows my focus to think of something else, allows my focus to think of what is going on inside that space, what is different about what goes on in that space that might be, then might be going on in the homes. Not to say worship and things can't be going on in there, um, but in, in your photography, have you ever taken time to, I mean, obviously you've been in a lot of churches. doing oh, yeah. weddings. I've probably
0: been in over 500 churches in my career. <laughs> I
1: can, I, yes, I can, I can imagine. Uh, did any of them, I mean, as, as if I'm just to ask you the question right now, did any of those like stick out to you and strike you and make you think of the spiritual more than another place might. Um.
0: Well, I will say one of the most sacred uh, experiences I've ever had was uh, uh, participating in a mass at Notre Dame Cathedral, uh, and the acoustics uh, of the Gregorian chants, and 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 the, the the chamber and the way sound travels through it, and and of course the history. Uh, that goes with that, it, it just creates an a ambiance, a, a, a presence that is, um, it, it was thrilling, absolutely thrilling. Uh, but then I've also, I, I'll tell you an interesting story. Years ago, um, I wanted to find out what was the difference between Christmas Eve services at a Catholic church, at Episcopalian uh, and at a um, uh, end up going to a, a Calvinist church uh, all in one night. I went to three different church services in one night. Uh, and I went from everything from complete opulence to complete um, very, very um, minimalist, if you will. And I found that I could have an equally powerful spiritual experience in all three of those places. Uh, I found that I was more comfortable with with one over the other. Um, you know, there's there's some that did feel a little um, garish, if you will, in terms of how opulent. Uh, but but I definitely could feel uh, a powerful uh, sense of spirit in in all those places. Um, and what I think about is, you, you know, we look at, you talk about going through community and seeing churches, it causes even just, if it's not the church you go to, it causes you to think about what does it represent. And so when we think about spaces uh, that become places of worship, they have a intrinsic value, which is their functionality, which is to gather people together in communion and prayer. They also have a symbolic quality of um, expressing an ideology and a belief system through architecture. Uh, What's interesting about this is you'll see differences between Protestant and and Catholic churches in that Protestant churches tend to use more abstract symbolism. They'll just show a cross, whereas you might have a three-dimensional sculpture and realism be more prevalent in a uh, Catholic church. Uh, in fact, that was something that was brought up by the poet William Carlos uh, Williams, uh, talked about the difference of growing up in a Catholic church from a Protestant church. Uh, so the use of realism in, in depicting uh, Jesus and the apostles, etc. Um, and so you've got the symbolic, and then you also uh, have the, something goes beyond the, the cultural value to the, the personal spiritual value. Uh, And I think churches have the opportunity to connect with us on all three. Um, I like to think that uh, churches represent a safe haven. Uh, And in fact, as we went through, uh, have gone through uh, some difficult times about immigration, many churches have stood up and been places of of safe haven. Uh, I used to participate in uh, Interfaith Hospitality Network, where churches would take turns putting uh, homeless families up and and helping them get back on their feet. So those places and those churches represent more than just the sum of the parts. The sum is greater than the parts. Yeah.
1: Yeah, So, so it was interesting it, you know, um, talking to my son Joel about this issue, I thought, you know, I was kind of curious to get a young 20 something perspective on this after talking, you know, after my cousin's kind of back and forth a little bit. And he was saying, I think he was sort of leaning in when what you're saying right there is, the, the church, I think at its best is a sanctuary for people. Uh, but so often now, especially the great cathedrals and and under, in some ways, understandably so, were they're locked right? It's, he said, what's the point of having a locked church? I mean, don't, don't you totally defeat the purpose? And I said, oh yeah, that's fine. But when somebody comes and messes up your church, you got to at least have somebody in the community that says, yeah, it's worth it to, worth it to have it open. We'll, we'll help clean it up or else that pastor is going to, going to be stuck doing a lot, a lot of cleanup. I was just joking. But but so you know, I, but I loved his idealism of saying, "Isn't isn't that the hope that that you know every church you know should be a place for the homeless or for you know um, a, a safe place? You know, Un- unfortunately, we we do want to protect those places too, just like you want to protect fine art. So it's a I get it's just an interesting tension where I think you have to kind of look at both both sides of the issue to try to try to figure that out. I mean, do you think churches should be open? I, mean, and,
0: I do. And it's funny, I, I really appreciate that your son brought that up because I had a similar experience the first time I went to the East Coast and I spent time uh, in uh, Maine and Vermont. And, you know, it was this idyllic New England setting and it brought back and you'd see all these church steeples and it made me think of the whole thing about you know here's the church here's the steeple open door all the people right and I kept going up to these churches wanting to take a look inside and I kept coming up doors locked doors locked I'm like you know um gee is God not at home today uh And so uh, I understand the the difficulties we have. It, you know, there's been an interesting progression. Many churches, uh, as did many colleges, would have a residence on the property for the pastor to live in. Uh, and so there was always somebody home, there's always a caretaker, there was all these sorts of things uh, that allowed for churches to be uh, open. But I think uh, the modern economy has made it very difficult for many churches to be able to keep their doors open twenty four seven, and and so um, I understand it, but I do uh, like to think that churches would be places to be be
1: open. Yeah. yeah and how do uh, how do we work towards that? I think is some of you know some of my thinking. I, so this church that I told you that I grew up in in Minneapolis, I remember. I had some friends and I wanted to go take them, you know, to this place I'd grown up proud of this, you know, this church and um, walked in and immediately got the fifth degree by, by a custodian and nope, the sanctuary is locked today. We can't, can't allow to go, you know, allow you to go in there. We don't everyone to take you through it. And, and, you know, and I this is my home church. What do you mean I can't walk through it? How can this be? And, and so, and I had a strong, just visceral reaction. And, and yet I can, I can understand too, you know, the, the older we get and the less we can take care of stuff. I think you, you tend to, you just, you want to protect your space. And yet everything about me and my faith says, this, we need to open these spaces up and, and how do we do that? And, and maybe, maybe that's right. Maybe we need to return to that time or maybe we will return to that time as the economy changes again, you know, where somebody will be in place, in space um, to allow a more openness um, to, you know, to these places. But trying to come up with terms to do that huh, it's interesting.
0: Well, I think you know I think every church has an opportunity to solve that problem. Uh, you know museums have volunteers that are docents. You, you look at um, uh, botanical gardens that uh, may not have uh, paid staff to be able to keep gardens open to the public, that have volunteer positions uh, these are These are interesting challenges that uh, can be. Um, uh, addressed if that becomes a pain point for that community that says, hey, we're, we're not able to keep our facilities open uh, as much as we'd like to. Uh, but then there's other places where uh, if it, if there's not a, a neighborhood around a church that people can walk to, uh, then there's probably less likely to be a, a need for it to be open in the same way that a church that's maybe in a uh, a community space where there's a lot of people that might be able to walk to it. What's interesting to me in terms of churches and spaces is watching um, the changeover in historic downtown church locations uh, and also watching the repurposing of spaces, such as old, old movie theaters uh, and the rise of the mega church, if you will, uh, and And all these environments serve different needs of the spirit and, and what's uh, you know one of the things i I appreciate um, about uh, uh, Paul in the Bible it talks about you know what might be a sin for you may not be for me, and vice versa and I tend to think about you know why are there, why do we need so many different denominations, why do we need uh, so many different approaches to Christianity? Uh, in particular, or, or Islam and, and, and uh, uh, Jewish faith. I mean, there's all kinds of variations. But I think the purpose of having all these different approaches and all these different uh, buildings, spaces, is that every everybody has something they need different. They need to find what works for them uh, in their spiritual practice. And so... Um, there are uh, some people that really value utilitarian and they want to be more outward mission focused and therefore they they 're bothered by uh, something that feels too ornate and they want to find something simpler um, The diversity of church spaces and and, and uh, denominations is a reflection of the diversity of of the human spirit and and the needs that need to be uh, met.
1: Right. So, yeah, no, that's I, just a very concrete example, you know, of that, of whether you're talking about the difference between Eastern Orthodox Christianity to early Protestant, especially Calvinism, pilgrim, you know, the pilgrims that came over, or if you're talking about um, uh, Islam, um, th- there's this this tension is, you know, Islam won't have any statues um, in, in their mosques because right. They want to keep the risk of idolatry down mm-hmm. right? too many things. And yet you, you, you know, walk into an Eastern Orthodox church, Eastern Orthodox church, and you, you know, you are going to see statues or you're going to see, um, um, just laugh last, uh, the, the picture with the window, the stained
0: Something. glass, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So the stations the, of the cross.
1: Stained, icon, and icons, all, mm-hmm. icons is the word I was looking for ah. all over the place. Um. The difference between having a crucifix and just just the cross. Um, it's and i I like your turn to say, you know maybe we need that that breadth um to understand that people need to spread express their spirituality in different ways and and one thing may draw one person and another, just like my cousin um, who was drawn to say, Really want my resources to be going out into the community and I can find my community in a church that's meeting at a school just as well as I could going to a church. Where for me, um, while I, I had my my time where it was more like that, there is still something um that that I like about a church, you know, that that has some symbols in there that can help me reflect on my faith and reflect on the story um, for me as a Christian of Jesus and um those those tangent symbols are important to me and they you know um my view of jesus was shaped in some ways by the um the ascension scene at saint mark's that's the uh, really a mid-eastern looking jesus um rising into the heavens and thinking about you know that changes the way people think of Of their faith. Suddenly it's not a Jesus just reflecting me. Um, Those things to me do have an impact and and having a place for art but as we said kind of the 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 protection is how do we not allow those things to turn into museums. So if you go to Europe and you go to some of the churches you know you might see 10 20 people and the state is paying for the churches these days. How do we be creative about those spaces that still offer a window to the divine, but you know, is it just are they are they doomed to be museums now and and have we or or will they be reclaimed someday um It's attention well, not... I
0: think museums are pretty sacred spaces, so i
1: so they're not it's not a negative <laughs> word to you I understand, yeah yeah fair enough fair enough yeah um.
0: Yeah, I mean, culture changes over time and it goes through phases, um, trends, if you will. Um, There's been a a trend in uh, churches over the last 20 years to uh, try to implement a lot of multimedia and look for spaces that have more um, performative qualities to it, maybe a stage uh, electric guitar instead of a pipe organ, uh, so to speak. Um, but I also think that uh, those things are cyclical depending upon where our, our culture is at a, a particular time, where our country is, if you will. Um, you know, if we're going through a period of a lot of um, fear and anxiety, we tend to w- want to go back to what feels traditional older, uh, and then when we're feeling vibrant and we want to chart new territory, we tend to want to move to uh, a style of worship that's maybe more what we think is contemporary or cutting edge. Um, and I think the the challenge for churches is to figure out who they are and, and remain consistent enough that they become a beacon for that particular uh, need. Uh, and, and, and be okay with the fact that um, there will be ebbs and flows and participation based upon ebbs and flows in people's lives. Mm-hmm. Which is one of the things I've loved about St. Mark's is they've always honored that. I always love the the fact that once you've been uh, baptized in, once you've been accepted into it, um, you're going to get a newsletter from us no matter what. <laughs> you're you're always a member, so to speak.
1: Yeah, that's right. Can't you get know? rid of it. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's yeah. It's so interesting. I'll never forget. I think it was when Rabbi Jack Isaacson um, came to St. Mark's to give a message, and we were talking. Well, you know wanted to say you know do we take out certain you know prayers you know how how do we be respectful and he said I said no he said you you worship the way you worship, and that identifies with who you are and as a community, and I come in as a person into this midst and 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 share with you my story, not expecting you to be someone else but to come and broaden your perspective because you've invited me in just like my perspective will be broadened as i step into your space that is holy to you and and hear how you express yourselves and it adds adds conversation and i th- i thought it was just sort of a sweet way to say you do you as as well as you can um and and i will do me and and we will have conversation and learn from one another um and uh, and then We'll end up taking part of, we will become a bigger community because of it. So the same thing goes, right? I've, you know, how do you, how pastors have a tendency to be competitive from time to time. I don't know if you ever knew that, Ira, but you know, that that, that can can happen. Um, And uh, in the midst, midst of that competitiveness, right, mainline traditions have been taking it pretty hard because our numbers aren't maybe what some of the mega churches are. But I think what I've come to understand is we've got to understand who we are and then do it to proclaim that message to the best we can without having to feel judgmental about as as you said, some people are really looking for something different in their spirituality and how how do they access and come to understand God. The tension, the tension that we need to continue to play with is we tend to get into those, those, those places. And we stop talking to one another we become too myopic in our in our in our views how how do we continue to say to one another without being threatened by it tell me tell me about why you worship the way you do and how you worship the way you do and what what how god is speaking to you in this place how the spirit is speaking to you in this place and i think the last threatened and to think that we have to somehow defend God. And and as if God is not able to defend God's self in the midst of these things, less threatened we can be to open our ears, we might just hear God speaking through those people that see things differently than us. And how, how do we
0: better well, do so what you just said there about God not being, feeling threatened, I think ultimately, Uh, is a segue to what each of us as individuals um, are aspiring towards, which is to a level of authentic self that doesn't feel threatened or, or defensive about who we are. And, um, and it's interesting, you brought up Marshall McLuhan's uh, uh, famous line about the medium is the message. What's interesting about that is that that book was really looking at and, and, giving us a preview of this idea of a global world that that we would have this communication technology would allow us to um, to create a global cultural experience and with the idea that that would expand understanding it would expand uh, appreciation uh, and you know we're coming just out of the modernism too into postmodernism but this idea of um, we could appreciate cultural differences. And we had cultural studies come about. Stuart Hall uh, uh, started looking at cultural studies. What I find really interesting is is we need more literacy to understand that um, we have an opportunity to participate and share our unique qualities with the world. But if we're not careful, if we don't have that confidence of just this is who we are, this is how we do it. Um, there's a flattening out of culture that happens through a uh, seeking external validation. Uh, you see it in social media, the idea of um, literally if if I were to worry about whether people liked my photography or not, I would make my photos uh, pretty much limited to kittens, sunsets, and um, selfies, right? Because that's what's what's popular. And you can see that with this new medium horizon right now, TikTok's the big video, uh, and you see trends in that. But the flip side of that, so that's kind of the, the flattening out of culture, the homogenization of culture. The flip side of that, though, is what we call the long tail, which is that Um, there's an opportunity to appreciate and and present culture, authentic culture from all over the world. Uh, And we have an opportunity to um, access that. And there are groups of people that are able to um, fundraise and find support for their community just by virtue of being consistent with who they are. And I think about some of the uh, work um, I did with uh, Maasai, uh, tribe from Kenya that were traveling around the world and they were uh, basically sharing their music, their, their uh, stories in art, in some of their uh, jewelry uh, with an effort of how can we, you know, what, there's value in just bringing who we are into the world. And uh, I think media technology allows us to appreciate but it also requires a greater fortitude. Of okay, this is the, the this is the culture, the subculture of spirituality that I belong to, that I've chosen to participate in, uh, and this is this is the space that we've created for that. Um, and, and I think there, if we can just be consistent, um, we can we can establish. Um, authenticity through that i think trying to always change to go with the latest trend could be challenging
1: yeah yeah I totally agree with you and and it, it is our tendency right and it's talking about getting whiplash as quickly as things are changing these days um you know really could lead to a very unsettled feeling just in our in our day-to-day lives so you know How do we allow ourselves to settle in, um, spend time in the sacred, wherever, however and wherever that that is taking and trust, trust that that other people are doing the same thing. Um, So.
0: Well, so one of the things that came to mind as we started this conversation uh, about the role the church facility plays in spiritual life. the the, the role that space plays in spiritual life um, does um, make me think of three things. One is the ritual aspect of going to worship, which creates this taking me out of my day-to-day struggles, day-to-day labor, and to say, okay, for this period of time, I'm going to go to this place and I'm going to leave all that behind to be able to uh, enrich my spirit. Uh, and, you know, for many, many people, they will do that going to the gym to work out, so to speak. We go to place to, to get something that we need in our life. And so I think church can fulfill that role uh, if we we find the right fit for us, um, but then the other thing I think about is even within my home i've tried to create spaces for prayer uh, so uh, whether it's you know a meditation space, if you will, uh, whether it's a uh, I remember a um, number of years ago. I set up a writing table just to be able to um, journal, reflect, and pray. And and I had this book about how to write your own psalms, if you will. Uh, And it was an interesting faith practice at that time, but it required creating a space for that to happen. Uh, And I think about the fact that we can recreate in miniature, so to speak, some of the uh, nuances of church in uh, private spaces in our home maybe it's a candle maybe it's a uh, cross or a crucifixion uh, maybe it's a uh, uh, just a, a place to um,
1: uh, like a pray, yeah you know a, like a, a do, or uh you know there's yeah different places you know it's to me what you're talking about is we we need places that are set apart yeah. for different For different things, for different activities, it's it's why I can I can work out at home. I can I'm more effective if I have some place to go to work out. Um, I can you know, and I I will pray in my bed as I'm falling asleep. But if I have a physical place that I can go to in my house that says this is my my place of prayer. For in my in my house, it it I can set that aside. It becomes a place set apart. Mm-hmm. I I think in this homogenous you know desire to have everybody think and do and and be the same. Having those places set apart to say this is for a different time, a different aspect of my life. It doesn't mean they can't be blended either. I mean, I I, I think of retreat spaces, right? To mm-hmm. When we're talking about god's wilderness is a place set apart i mean it's sometimes there you know i love the fact that there are camps to go to that are that are out and i'll offer outdoor experiences because going to camp as a kid you know for many people is this important aspect and they want to find a way to bring that back i think we get to a point where we once we can relax more to say no it's good to have places set apart that give us a different experience too. It's not such a bad thing. You don't always, we wanna capture that, but we don't always have to. It's okay to let that be that experience out there. And when I come back, yes, this is maybe my workspace and things will get blended, but it is to me nice to have those spiritual places that we can set apart or, or go to that are set apart.
0: Um, we need passageways, doorways to, to to cross a threshold, even if it's just a, a sim- symbolic, I mean, <laughs> I remember uh, uh, there used to be a, a TV show back when I was a kid, WKRP in Cincinnati, and the news director for this little AM radio station wanted an office so bad that he finally taped off the space for an office. And even though the walls weren't there, he wanted to honor the fact that he needed that private space within that confine. And I think we all need that private space uh, in our heart, in our mind, uh, for, for where we can self reflect and pause, but also within our three dimensional world of being able to enter into a space that has a particular purpose uh for feeding our spirit. And uh you know gardeners understand that garden design the idea of creating a room experience as you go into a garden space uh, uh I think about you know for me going to, on a hiking trail oftentimes is to enter into uh my my favorite cathedral if you will is to commune with nature and god. Uh but I've created little meditation spaces uh in my landscaping that allows me to do that. Uh, one of the things I loved uh, about St. Mark's is if you walk around the grounds and you see a little sculpture uh, in, embedded into the greenery, and it just is like these little pauses for for reflection. Uh, and so we can create some of that space uh, in our homes, and then we can have something where we share it more publicly and more communally in our in our
1: church uh, environment. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. That's I mean, and thanks for bringing those things up. But it also reminds me of a labyrinth, you know, I, for, for men, spiritually often a place to go to is, you know, I need to be able to do something active. That's also going to connect me to God or connect me. And so those, those different labyrinths, you know, they have a couple at St. John's Episcopal Cathedral or, you know, different ones that have been set, set apart. They where...
0: just put one in to honor one of my former colleagues at the college. Uh, uh, Doc Pauly as uh, a memorial, and it's a beautiful memorial. Uh, yeah, I look forward
1: to visiting that. Absolutely good. Well, Ira, I appreciate your time today. Dent. Yeah, me too, my friend. And uh, yeah, well, keep keep thinking about this question, and and thanks for reminding me that you know we don't all have to come to the same answer on this. That that God's spirit can work work to each of us in different ways. So. Thanks. Amen. Amen. All
0: right, we'll see you next
1: time. Sounds great. Awesome. Thank you for joining us today on The Spiritual Hedgehog. For show notes and more information, go to www.thespiritualhedgehog.com.